it's very important that as an industry we start setting up our bar of course i mean we have to be always ambitious and try to move it up as as much as possible but it's very important then we talk about uh, green claims or any sort of environmental claims that first of all we can prove them but methodology has to be robust but at the same time practicable Welcome to HPW Insights Over the Counter podcast with me, David Ridley, Senior Editor, Europe. Every two weeks, I'll be speaking with a self-care industry expert or insider about a key issue in the global cosmetics, OTC medicines or dietary supplements markets. This week, I'm talking to the Director General of the Association of the European Self-Care Industry, the AESGP, and Board Member of the Global Self-Care Federation, Jurata Schwarzeiter. As a member of the GSCF board, Jurata has been involved in the creation of the association's recently launched Charter for Environmentally Sustainable Self-Care, which it describes as the first industry-wide climate action resolution issued by the consumer health sector. Jurata tells us all about the story behind the Charter and what it aims to achieve, as well as some of the challenges companies face in formulating ambitious yet concrete and achievable climate action goals. Thanks very much for uh, for coming on the podcast, Yurata. If you want to just introduce yourself, maybe first, and maybe just say how you're involved in the in this uh, process of, of creating the charter. Sure. So my name is Yurata Schwarzeit, and I'm director general at ASGP. And this would be a title that normally uh, the readers of of HP would be familiar with, but today I'm speaking in my capacity as a co-chair of the working group um, of GSCF, so Global Self-Care Federation, which has been working for more than a year uh, to draft the, the Environmental Sustainability Charter on behalf of the global industry, and also will be tasked with sort of um, working further on it and hopefully moving the needle forward for the entire industry. And here I just want to thank, first of all, the GSCF team for supporting us as a working group for the, for the exercise and my, my co-chair, Daniela Foster from Bayer, for being there and working on this together. Thank you, David. No problem. Yeah, we've uh, spoken, well, I've spoken a few times with Daniela. She's, um, she's very passionate about this as well. And, um, and she mentioned that she's been working with you on that. I'm equally passionate. I think this is one of those topics where not only as an industry representative, but also as sort of just human beings, most of us feel passionate about preserving the, the planet Earth for the next generations. Yeah, I totally agree. And we've been really keen to cover it as well. It's been really nice to see industry moving uh, quite quickly on this. Uh, I think, you know, I've I've kind of asked people before and, uh, and said a little bit in, in what I've written about it, how the consumer healthcare industry, I think, can play a leading role, uh, you know, within the kind of wider health and pharmaceutical industries being so close to consumers, I think. Yeah, exactly. And I think we are sort of trying to drive it maybe at the faster speed based on the Arix industry because we feel and we are very close to fast moving consumer goods as well and many of our company members produce not only pharmaceuticals but also food supplements some do cosmetics so we definitely feel that there's no time to waste and the expectation is there that we act now um, and that we put our act together and start uh, actually delivering mm. yeah that's right I think there's also a um uh, a slight challenge there, isn't there, where um, with some of the companies, um, I don't know off the top of my head, you know, like the kind of Reckitt's 
where you do on P&G, where you have a lot of these, uh, what you know, because fast moving consumer goods. Um, the OTC part is not necessarily the first part of the portfolio that gets addressed, is it? So I think it's really good to have a specific push on OTCs and, and supplements, of course, and cosmetics. That's correct. Uh, but I think those companies are also better prepared because they have already started the thinking process inside of the companies around, for example, the packaging on how to make the supply chains more sustainable, etc. And I think why we have not been so proactive with sort of the pharmaceuticals in particular is because we have a lot of regulation. So I think we also have to recognize, for example, on packaging that we may wish to be more ambitious, but we have to be very careful because packaging is integral part of product safety and for safety first. And only then we start thinking of what materials we can use that are also more environmentally sustainable, but making sure at the same time that they serve the purpose, making sure that those products that are contained inside do not get sort of contaminated because of the, of the packaging materials of the choice. Yeah, of course, that's a good point. Anyway, we're jumping ahead a little bit. Um, <laughs> Sorry. You know, we both know it's my fault. We're both very interested in this, obviously. But I think, sh should we just say, uh, look at the charter a little bit? Do you want to just explain what the charter is uh, and maybe, you know, some of the prehistory of that, you know, where it's come from? Yeah, so I think I, I, I want to step really back, <laughs> back in 2018, when the pandemic was only just a, a movie. Um, and where we were starting to reflect on sort of what should be the strategy for the industry going forward. 2018, we did not, I mean, we thought that environment is very important, uh, but it was not yet sort of this, the sense of urgency was not there. Uh, however, we, we created a working group because definitely now speaking on behalf of the European region, uh, it was a big political item uh, and um, with Paris Agreement being in Europe and many other initiatives that already started uh, coming our way, we felt that we need to put our heads together and start thinking how as an industry we can respond to that expectation first from our consumers and second from the, our regulators and, and policymakers. And then this working group was formed um, and when we were working on one of the core pillars in the current strategy of GSCF, which is trust, we realized that in building trust as an industry, environment also plays a very important role. So sort of this is the context where we came about on working on the charter. When we decided that as an industry, it's time to start thinking of what we can do collectively beyond the individual actions of the companies. We first looked at sort of what are the priorities uh, in the environmental topic, because environment could be everything and nothing at the same time. And too many, too many people talk about it these days and do nothing. So we started saying, which are the topics that are important in all the regions? And also, what are the topics where we can have an impact? Because there, if we, if it's only concern of one company, uh, it may not be necessarily uh, something that we want to do collectively. So then we started from this, basically asking members what is important for them, and then we we engaged with the with the sort of specialized consultancy in a process of building environmental sustainability charter. Uh, beyond just looking at what is priority for us, we also did the consumer uh, listening exercise where we looked at what is important for the consumers. Uh, we also sort of benchmarked our industry against other industries such as cosmetics industry, food industry. We looked also 
at uh, some of the cross-industry initiatives, such, such as, um, for example, the um, uh, Consumer Goods Forum initiative and things like that. And we looked what is being already done. So first of all, not to, not to duplicate the efforts and also to identify what would be our unique proposition in this, uh, in this area. So this is this is like step by step process that we 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 took uh, on, and this is how we end up with three priority areas and with sort of collective actions that we want to focus on uh, together under the GSEF umbrella. Yeah, that's really interesting actually to hear a bit of the background because because yeah, there was a whole bit of work on trust, like you say, um, and then I think yeah, it's important not to just come out and make lots of promises isn't it because I, I think anyone can do that and that's I think especially tempting uh, yes. for industry to just say you know promise the world but if you under deliver that's actually going to have really negative impacts isn't it so that's a really crucial point I think. Yes, and, and that's also was our internal discussion where some of the members, let's say, wanted to be more ambitious because as a company, they are already two steps uh, ahead. Mm. But I think this is where we landed collectively because for us, it was very important that Every, well, everyone is a big ambition, but most of the companies active in the consumer health space could sign up to it and could start uh, putting their heads together and, and discussing how we can do better. So I think this 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 is the idea and, and many people said that this is, let's say, this is very um, sort of conservative approach. But I think with a lot of uh, already accusations uh, from the consumers as well as the, as the governments on greenwashing, I think for us it was extremely important to be careful in what we were promising, making sure that when we look back, we could actually say that we have deli delivered on those objectives that we have uh, agreed on. But of course, it's not even just, um, you know, getting on the wrong, wrong side of consumers because greenwashing is, as, as I understand it, this is not my area of expertise, but I'm working on it. Uh, but greenwashing is, uh, is actually illegal in that sense in the EU, like you have laws in, in the European Union against making certain claims. And I think the UK is um, is bringing similar kinds of regulations in. So, I mean, you know, you don't want to have consumers, you know, posting on social media pages about, you know, how this isn't, um, you know, a fulfillable goal or whatever. But yeah, I mean, regulators are going to be watching companies as well, aren't they? Exactly. And I think the objective with the charter was also to start putting the foot forward and being proactive before we actually also get the regulation because also what you referred to is at, at the European uh, Union level we have um, sort of um, guidelines or even uh, laws how you can make the green claims and they are against a very strict um, and sometimes very curbsome uh, measures that you need to prove what you are claiming and we want to make sure that whatever regulation will follow in our area that is it's it's doable because i think also it does not make sense to to, to set the standards so high that no one can actually meet it so i think it's very important that as an industry we start setting up our bar of course i mean we have to be always ambitious and try to move it up as as much as possible but it's very important when we talk about uh, green claims or any sort of environmental claims that first of all, we can prove them, but methodology has to be robust, but at the same time practicable. 
Yeah, I think we'll come back to that in a minute, especially the point about um, bringing, you know, the smaller companies along, because um, that is also something that Daniel has spoke about, which I think is important. But do, do you want to say a little bit? I know it's very early stages with the with the charter, but um, on the areas of focus with the with, we've got plastics and packaging, pharmaceuticals and the environment and then the carbon footprint. Um, what what are those? What are you planning to do in those areas? So, I mean, as an association, there's not much that we actually can do as a, as just an association. So I think the idea there is to to bring the companies together and, and be a platform uh, of exchange, first of all, so that they motivate each other. Because we have seen, I mean, all the all the main companies that are me- members directly within GSEF already put forward their pledges. Many of them are measurable with very concrete goals with uh, reducing the packaging or um, reducing the plastic they use, etc., etc. So I think the idea there is try to start to put it together and see where where our benchmark is. And once we are there, I think the next step will be to start creating initiatives where they can work together because I think some of the, for example, if we start thinking one of the most problematic things we have is the blister packaging. It's a mix of materials of aluminium and plastic most of the time, at least in Europe, and it's it's not recyclable. So, but one company overcoming this this hurdle may not actually be as as let's say as as good as the entire industry moving away from this uh, blister packaging. So I think the idea here is that we hope that by putting the, the sustainability people from the companies together, we will incentivize building consortiums and possible channeling investment so that they can address this and they don't. I mean, I, I, I want to draw a parallel, for example, with the car safety. Back in the time, it was a, I believe it was Volvo that have created the safety belts and then they gave a technology to everyone to make the, the driving on the road safer. So this is more or less what I think we are dri- we are trying to drive is to make sure that we can work together from the beginning and that we can share possibly the, the technological advancement or the thinking in how we can address some of those challenges, why we don't have, for example, recyclable, fully recyclable packages today or for example, pharmaceuticals and environment, people take medicines and they go to the toilet actually, and this is the main source of the pollution. So there's, there's, there are some things we can do and some things that possibly we need to think of how we can do better together, uh, but recognizing at the same time that some challenges are, are bigger than us. So also thinking on possibly creating consortiums with external partners, etc. So I know I'm, I'm being very vague, but the intention is there. And I think the idea is that we need to work together and I'm not offering solutions today, but the, the idea is that we work together, we identify the problems we have, and then we try to, to foster those bridges within the company so that they can uh, work together. And I think as an association, our role is to be there to make sure that it is it is all according to the competition rules and we are there to, to promote the sort of working together in the best interest of consumers while still uh, making sure that competitors uh, are respecting the rules they should. So this is this is the main the main idea. Yeah, I mean, the, you're kind of alluding to the um, to the need to sustain competition as well there, I think. But is there, is there a, a tension there? Because I think, you know, there is there is also, I mean, one of the motivations, surely, aside from it being the right thing to do, which is something you hear a lot, and I think that's genuine, because I think we all understand that 
if we don't do something about this, then we're all in trouble, you know. Um, but but you know also that if you're the first company, you know, to crack the pill uh, pack problem, or you know you you are the most vi like vis visibly uh, green, you know, then once that shift in consumer behaviour starts to really kick in, then then you're going to see the benefits of that. Well, how are you going to manage that tension between the competition and, and cooperation aspects of that as, a, as an association? Yeah, so I, I think it, it is, it's, it's, one, it's the first question we need to address when, uh, when we started to work on this. And I think the idea there is that we have to select a couple of areas uh, where we decide that we will work together. So this is where companies will have to weight uh, their options and say, Okay, this is somewhere where we can gain the, the the competitive advantage, and maybe we will work individually on this. But maybe there are some other problems where they are bigger, and 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 it requires a huge investment, for example, from the company side. And maybe this is where it's more interesting to work with the entire industry, meaning that we can uh, we can affect our suppliers, because if the if the supplier needs to change something for one company, it costs a lot of money. But if it needs to change something for everyone, you immediately have economy of scale. So I think it will not be the decision of the association. I think it will be really, again, going back to the company members and discussing on what are the things that they are doing already and they're happy to do on their own and what are the things that uh, could benefit from working together. So I think in the end of the day, we cannot go away from the fact that I mean, economics will play a role as well, and um, everyone in the end uh, will have to do their impact assessment and, and decide what is there to do on your own and possibly claim claim it against the consumers and what is in there that we can do collectively. And I think, I mean, just sort of thinking as I speak, one of the things is, for example, uh, collection schemes that we have in Europe. So I think, I mean, for for most of the countries, you are advised to go back to a pharmacy and deliver your expired or unused medicines or whatever. And then it's this scheme is often funded by the entire industry or by the entire supply chain, because it doesn't make sense, you know, to say, OK, a company A pays for their packs and company B pays for their packs. So I think this is a very concrete example where we have already seen a cooperation and the cooperation is very sensible. I mean, it, it's much sort of economically and reasonably better to set up one scheme for all products rather than think about individual schemes of uh, company A, B, C and D. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you uh, you also uh, pointed out about how people don't dispose of their medicines correctly. I mean, that kind of crosses two of the aspects about recycling and also about um, pharmaceuticals and the environment. But this is this is also a good example of where you can have cooperation, isn't it? Because you actually want that consumer behaviour to shift. Um, and it's, it doesn't really make much sense for one company to just be driving that. But it's also maybe a role where the GSCF and, you know, associations like the GSCF and ASGP can really play a role where you're educating the public about um, you know what to do if you want to be more sustainable as a consumer for example certainly and this is this is one of the things that we also have put forward the pledge as ahgp and one of the things that we we pledge 
is promote schemes like, for example, in Europe, we have MedDisposal scheme where it's for the consumers information on what to do with the expired or unwanted uh, pharmaceuticals. So the idea is to, to make this information easily accessible to those that uh, are disposing them correctly or incorrectly today. And I think um, the idea there is really that there is one there is one information coming across to the consumers from whoever. And here it's very important. It's beyond even GSCF and ASGP because we are talking about different languages and different uh, jurisdictions and different uh, things you need to do with your pharmaceuticals, which ranges from Germany. You put it in the general waste because it's all incinerated and it's all fine. Where here, where I, I, I live in Belgium, you are supposed to return it to the pharmacy. So I think here we are working with our national industry associations but i think also companies on the local markets have an important role to play where they can also promote these messages not only to consumers but also to healthcare providers first of all pharmacists who can remind uh, people on their visit to a pharmacy that uh, for example how to correctly dispose it and it's not only in Europe, we also have a scheme which is working in Canada in different uh, also jurisdictions there. So I think this is sort of one of the best practices that we are very proud. And I think we already have a lot of schemes in place, but we recognize that too little people know about them. So I think first thing that we are trying to do also with this charter, making sure that the consumers know about uh, what is the disposal scheme uh, in place in, 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 the, in the area where they live. Yeah, like you say, I think there is already a lot of uh, good work going on. I think it's just a matter of bringing it together, isn't it? And like you say, I think companies do actually have a, an important role there because they are directly communicating with consumers through advertising and packaging, etc. Exactly, exactly. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Counter so far. Just a reminder, you can find all the Farmer Intelligence podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and TuneIn. Please follow our podcasts, share with your friends and colleagues and comment on episodes you like. All of this helps us to be discovered by others and link with more interesting people to talk to. Um, so back to the charter then. Um, so you've launched the charter and you're working on um, you know, those areas. But part of it is to, as you mentioned, get companies to sign up to the charter, isn't it? So what what have you had, what, what kind of response have you had so far? So, I mean, talking about internal cooking, before we launched the charter, we had a couple of uh, seminars addressed to the members of the members, because as said, GSCF sort of uh, has direct membership of the big multinational companies. But for example, if we talk about European region, the top 10 companies are only 30% of the market. So 70% will be regional or national, uh, nationally active companies. So the intention of these seminars was to inform them of the charter, uh, address any concerns they have and encourage them to also make a pledge because we know, in fact, uh, that many of them already have in place um, different things on the three areas that we chose to start and to address in the charter. So far, we haven't had a, a sort of a commitment from any of them um, before we launched the charter, but we also acknowledge that it it was a, a a bit rushed because we wanted to we wanted to launch it on a very specific date um on the conference of ASGP 
Uh, and we also acknowledge that we can wait and delay as much as we want, but we we want to get out there and start talking about it. So I think we sort of here it was more the speed uh, before we had the numbers. So I think now that at least the first um, the first quarter of 2022 we will go back uh, for ASGP uh, to members of our members and start talking to them what they would need to actually put the pledge forward, whatever it would be. So I think this is going to be at least the the focus, at least for the first half a year of 2022 is to recruit more companies and to make sure that they are comfortable with where this is going. And I think another thing that we will be debating is that this working group, which currently comprises GSEF members, possibly should have also representatives of other uh, companies that are maybe not direct members, but they will be putting pledges forward and they may wish to actually work together on certain uh, topics. So I think this is this is where we are. And I remain uh, optimistic because I know that many of them have their own uh, environmental uh, policies in place. So it's just sort of making sure that they recognize that this is an opportunity not only for the big guys, but that they also can use this to show what they are doing and also to benefit from collaboration um, that uh, we hope to build and, and consortiums and maybe technologies that we could deliver together. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but I think this is uh, important, isn't it, that you bring everyone along. And like I mentioned, you know, Daniel has been talking about this a lot. And I think, yeah, that, that seems to make sense in terms of the way that you've gone about the charter as well, where, you know, you, you pitch it at a level where everyone can get involved um, because there's no point, again, you know, demanding everyone makes promises or, or you know, commits to things that they can't deliver. And I, I think one of the things that Daniela said, which was really was really good, was, you know, it doesn't matter where you are on that journey. The point is that you start the journey. Um, and if you're at the beginning, it's better to be honest about that and just say, you know, we're just starting this, but we have a plan. Um, and then that plan can be, become more detailed as you go along. But like you say, if you have these consortia, then that, that gives them a kind of hand up, doesn't it? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's it's very important that everyone is very comfortable and they don't feel that they are pushed into something that they cannot live up to. So I think this is this has been the spirit of the of the working group and as well of the charter from the from the day one. And then, so just to finish off, then what is the um, you talked a bit about what you're going to do next. So what what are the kind of next steps in the next few months? What are we going to see from GSCF on on the on the charter and, and that work in the working group. So I, I cross my fingers, but I hope that we are going to see more companies joining the charter. So I think the energy will go at least in the first quarter to go more locally and talk to those companies that are potentially those that could sign up to it. So I think this is where the efforts will be uh, going into. I'm thinking of also talking to at least ASGP national associations, making sure that they actually deliver the message to their members, because those are the members of the members that we want. And um, after this, I think we there will be a point, and I think it will be half a year where we draw a line and we start talking, then going back to the working group, start talking to what do we want to focus on, uh, what are there the ideas and then scale it down and to say, OK, these are the three things that we want to start uh, exploring and possibly engaging with external uh, partners on, on, on the thinking. And I think 
maybe a year or year and a half on, we want to look what is in the pledges and start setting the bar and possibly setting the ambition where we want to be in the next five to, to or ten years. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but I think I would split it into three steps. So the first one is to recruit more uh, subscribers to the charter. Then second, it will be try to start distilling some ideas, what could be that we want to start looking into uh, collectively. And this, the, the sort of in parallel, uh, where do we put the, the, the the benchmark from which we will start saying that we want to we want to reduce or we want to uh, you know make it recyclable etc. What are the numbers that we are going to? Because I think ambition there was from the beginning we want to have measurable goals. We don't have them yet uh, because we wanted to make sure that everyone is comfortable. So once actually <laughs> more members sign up then we will start looking in what those numbers could be and then in, in what time frame we want to start measuring ourselves. Well, it sounds like you've got a busy um, yeah, few months and year ahead for this. This for is just sure. one, part, one part of the industry, isn't it, with the pandemic still going on? For sure. And I think uh, with many of us that have enjoyed uh, Christmas holidays, I think we all see that cold and flu season with Omicron also is in the full swing. So I, I must say that uh, this is not a bad year for cold and flu season and for our industry, but we still, I mean, we will see environment as one of the top priorities in 2022 for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for taking the time to speak to me and um, yeah, good luck with, with all of those um, those projects. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to HPW's Over the Counter podcast. Please follow this and other farmer intelligence podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and tune in. And don't forget to check out the HPW Insight website hbw.farmerintelligence.informa.com where you can find the podcast as well as insight and intelligence on the global cosmetics, OTC medicines and dietary supplements markets. See you next time.